Hey guys, and welcome back to the channel. Right, US Open Power Rankings first edition for the ATP is coming. We're going to go through it. It's our first edition. I cannot wait. I genuinely can't wait to go through this. Of course, I'm going to list from one to 10, one being the player who I feel at the moment has the best chance of winning the US Open, catering in current form as being one of the biggest things. Now, current form includes, of course, current as in the last couple of weeks, last couple of months, but also we're looking at the year as a whole. And we'll also be looking at the US Open last year, of course, looking at the historical results from last year and tournaments before. But the biggest thing is going to be formed throughout 2022 and the last few months, just so you guys know how we do it. But we also look at historical stuff as well. Um, right, okay. In terms of how we're going to go through it, I'm going to go through from 1 to 10. We're going to start with number 1, and then we will talk about everything else. Cool. Number 1, who do we go with? Before we do, actually, remember to hit that like button, subscribe if you're new, of course. And you forgot that. Right, do that. Thank you so much. Number one, number one, number one. I'm doing this, by the way. I haven't, I've thought roughly about who I'm going to choose, but I wanted to go through it with you guys and let you know my thought process, hopefully not too long as well. It has to surely be the Spaniard, the Matador, Rafael Nadal. Now, a lot, a lot of people might think, oh, Nadal, what about Medvedev, who made the US Open final last year and, of course, won it. He won the US Open last year. He's a reigning champion. He's just won Los Cabos. He skipped Wimbledon. And in Australia, he made the final as well, losing to Rafa Nadal. So you could arguably say, in the last 12 months, he is the best hardcore player. And I think you're probably not wrong in saying that. But I think given that Nadal has won the Australian Open this year, which is the only hardcore Grand Slam so far, given that he won the French as well, given that, you know, he made the semifinals of Wimbledon, which Wimbledon is his worst surface, grass is his worst surface. If he's fully fit, I would put him as the favourite against Kyrgios. He pulled out because of injury. Who knows what would have happened? He could have been the final against Djokovic. Maybe he loses to Kyrgios. Maybe he loses to Djokovic. We'll never know. But his results have been fantastic throughout the whole year, right? He's been the most informed player this year. So for me, and considering his record of four US Open wins, it's a slower hardcore. It's not as quick as Australia, where of course he won. He beat Medvedev in the final there in five sets. In the US, it plays more similarly to Clay in terms of the speed. So for me, Rafa Nadal... Number one at the moment in the power rankings. Now, it's a difficult one as well because he's not actually playing uh, the Rogers Cup at the moment because of injury. So we're hoping to see him back uh, next week or very, very soon. Uh, and also in Cincinnati, etc. So I'm, I'm hoping he's going to play those tournaments. Otherwise, he may end up dropping because we just don't have anything to kind of base this on. We've got some data at the moment to base it on, but if players like Medvedev start wrapping up loads of tournament victories, then he might then drop down a place if Nadal is still not playing. Because I know with the GOATs, they have a little asterisk next to them in the sense that there's a little subtext underneath that says 
doesn't matter if they haven't played any tournaments, they can still win Grand Slams. And that's pretty much true because we see it, saw it with Nadal this year and Australia had a long layoff, came back and won it. It happens. These guys are just our goats. Uh, Djokovic, of course, uh, to let you guys know, won't be in the list because currently he's not able to play at the US Open. If it does change, and if he is able to play at the US because of a change in rules and regulations of his, you know, his vaccination status or the the country say that actually he's allowed in, then we will of course include him in the power rankings. He'll be up there and pretty high. Uh, number two, then I've talked about him, and I think he kind of picks himself. Daniel Medvedev. Uh, we covered Los Cabos and he was there. He won it. He looked pretty damn good. And it was great to see him back in form, back after a disappointing mission from Wimbledon. It would have been great to see him there. And I think he would have gone pretty deep as well. He doesn't like the clay, so it wasn't a surprise in the French Open. And the US Open, he'll go into it and he'll feel good about it. I think he actually... I was going to say he likes the slower hard courts more, but I'm not quite sure if he does because in Australia, he is able to deflate the pace a bit more. doesn't really need to generate much pace. In the US, you need to. It's a bit slower. This year could be quicker. We don't know. Uh, the tournaments can play differently each year, but there's a generic thought among you know fans and pundits that the Grand Slams play a certain way, but it, it can change year on year and you can have anomalies. So we'll see. But last year was slow and he won. And he looked imperious and he won in the final in straight sense against Novak Djokovic, who was going for the Canada Slam, was incredible last year, Novak. And Medvedev just brushed it off like it was nothing. So he is a very, very good player. And we saw that against Cam Nori recently, winning in straight sets, bageling him in the second set as well, six love. I mean, he is looking really good. He loves the hard courts. This is... Now, the back end of the year after Wimbledon is his bread and butter. The last couple of years, he's just cleaned up. And he'll love uh, the US Open. He'll love the Paris Masters indoor tournament. Sorry, tournament. All these tournaments in the US, Canada, etc. He is relishing them. You can bet that. Number three. Now, who do we go with? Because there's a few players, of course, drifting a lot, drifting around. Drifting around, right? There's quite a few. Kyrgios just won Washington singles and doubles, although this is, of course, just a singles list. Also made the final of Wimbledon. Felix, right, got, went deep at the US Open last year. He's just made the semis of Los Carbos as well. Wimbledon, you know, not as good as he would have hoped, I guess. Uh, you know, we're losing in the first round against Maxi and Cressy, but it is a different surface. Form doesn't count, yes, but it seems like he's been able to recapture most of that. Cam Nori just made the final of Los Carbos, of course. He's looking pretty good. Uh, did get dismantled in the final in the second set, but the first set was a tiebreaker, looking pretty good. And then you've got to look at other players. Sitsipas, right? Last year at the US Open. Upset by Alcaraz in the US Open. Can he, I guess, pick himself up from that? Zverev injured, looking like he's probably not going to play. It's pretty wide open after the first two, if I'm being completely honest. I think you really have Nadal and Medvedev, and they're kind of in their own bracket. And then it's everyone else, and it's a free-for-all. If I'm going on current form and kind of staying true to my word around mainly basing, I guess, on this year and this year's results, then you have to go with the big man, Nick Kyrgios. 
They didn't drop a single set in single set. Sorry, sorry, didn't drop serve <laughs> at all, even in Washington. It just looks so good right now. And he's admitted himself that he is playing some fantastic tennis. He's transformed. I'm very much looking forward to seeing him for the rest of the year. I find him really exciting to watch. Of course, there's other baggage around it, but I do think generally he has been better this year uh, with that stuff as well. I, I, I think it's always going to be a part of his game, but it's getting better for me anyway. Now, the rest is really tough. I have to be honest with you. I'm not quite sure where to go from here because I, I do feel as if these guys are fantastic and that's all great, but can we can we really pick many other players that we think comfortably are going to be the challengers? And the answer to that is probably no, uh, if I'm being honest with you. It's probably no. Um, it's a tough one. It really is. I'm going to go with number four. Number four, number four. Of course, the final of Washington was Nishioka, Rublev in the semis as well. We're talking about those guys, US Open. If we think back to last year, you know, who went deep? You know, there were some good players that went deep. But do we really back them to go deep again? I'm not so sure. I'm going to go with a slight left field option. Now, I'm not quite sure whether it's going to hold up, and we'll see. But I'm going to go with Yannick Sinner. And I'll tell you why. Because Yannick Sinner is a player who I feel has come into his own. He's a player who definitely is starting to look like a more complete player. He's bulked up his serve more. I was really impressed with him at Wimbledon. Had never won a grass court match. Applied himself fantastically. Now, a lot of people pegged him as a clay court specialist. He'd actually never won a clay court match, clay court tournament, sorry, until Umag, where he beat Alcaraz for the second time in not too long. Beat him at Wimbledon, of course. A bit of an upset there, I would say, considering he'd never won a grass court match. Beat him in the round of 16. Played really well. I mean, his serve has been bulked up. He's hitting spots better. His return has always been natural. And in terms of his forehand, I mean, especially, especially the running forehand, looks sublime at times. The backhand has always been solid. And we've seen when he plays someone like a Zverev, he's able to stick with him backhand to backhand. And even a Djokovic, he has two sets of love up against him in the quarterfinals. Yes, Djokovic never looked like he was going to lose because in the third set, fourth set, fifth set, you know, he wasn't in trouble in any of those sets. But you know, to even get to two sets of love up against Djokovic was an incredible feat, considering his lack of experience on the surface and lack of wins. He was zero and two going into the tournament. So he's clearly a special player. He's also a player who I think he's able to play on all surfaces. Uh, you know, he won the next gen finals on a hard court. He's won tournaments on hard courts before. So for me, he is someone who's going to be really dangerous on the hard courts, and I'm very much looking forward to seeing him continue his progression on there. And himself and Alcaraz and the other young guns, they're coming, and they may not be here right now, and everyone talks about the next gen or next next gen. It's just a matter of time. Uh, and what it will take is, it will take an Alcaraz or a Sinner or someone to really to beat an Adal or Djokovic. And 
probably not just beat them, but maybe beat them in three or four sets in a slam or come back from, say, a set down to then start the floodgates, you know, open the floodgates even, and for a change of the guard to start happening, you would imagine. So number five, we just talked about him, Carlos Alcaraz. Now, Alcaraz, I think, is going to have a good US Open. I do feel that he plays best on a slow, hard court. Um, and, and I feel like the speed at the US Open is perfect for his game. He's someone who is definitely able to, you know, he wants to transition and come to the net, and that's fantastic. But he's also someone that needs to have, uh, you know, more time on the ball. He does need to have more time on the ball, especially on the backhand side. If he's playing any more than elite backhand, like Zverev, like Djokovic, like Musetti, he's not able to, you know, win those backhand to backhand exchanges. And the backhand generally is fantastic, but well, it's very good. It's not elite though. And when he's got more time, it means he's able to drive it. He doesn't want to be slicing on the backhand. It's something that he needs to work on. It's, really defensive slice is a bit floaty it's not really much on it's something for him to look to improve but generally i think he will be dangerous on at the us open of course has good memories from last year beating Sitsipas. so let's see how he gets on as well i'm looking forward to seeing him because i just feel that you know carlos alcaraz there's a lot of hype around him but maybe these losses might have helped him if i'm being honest with you just helped maybe take a little bit of pressure off him and then he'll feel potentially like, okay, people aren't expecting too much and he might feel a little bit better. Potentially. Potentially. Uh, Felix Auger Aliassime became the first man, of course, born in the 2000s to reach a major semi-final. That was last year at the US Open. And I have to say, he will be my number six. Why, you ask? It's obvious. He loves the hard courts. He really does. Probably his favorite surface, of course, would have grown up on them. We saw that he, he also does like the grass generally, but didn't do very well at Wimbledon this year. Last year, made the quarterfinals and lost to Berrettini. This year, lost to Maxim Cressy. It can happen. It's not a great style. Should be winning it, but, you know, we'll be disappointed, of course, to lose in the end. Uh, but for me, FA, you know, is a fantastic player, no doubt. I'm looking forward uh, to seeing him in action. He actually didn't take any press after the loss to Cam Nori in the semi-finals of Las Cabos. That was a little bit disappointing. I'm hoping it's probably a tough loss for him to swallow. I think he actually you know, has had some success against Nori in the past, but he's a tricky opponent, of course. Uh, but he will have to dig deep, I think, going forward. And there's clearly been big changes. Uh, he went relatively deep, of course, at Roland Garros and lost to Rafa in five sets in a thriller. He made massive steps at Roland Garros, then, of course, a setback at Wimbledon. And that will happen when you're adjusting your game for the clay and then you suddenly have to jump onto a grass court, which is a lot quicker. He now kind of goes back to a slower surface, but one he's more familiar on, one with you know regular bounce, one that he doesn't have to worry too much about the court coming up with surprises. And I think he'll feel a bit more comfortable on it. He'll move a bit better. He'll just feel generally like, you know what, I, I feel like someone who is at home on this surface. Number seven. So we've got Nadal, Medvedev, Kyrgios, Sinner, Alcaraz, FA. I'm very interested to know, by the way, your guys' thoughts on this. 
after uh, because it's very difficult early on to get a gauge of it, and, and it will change massively, of course. I'm going to go with Cam Nori. Now, I know a lot of people don't rate Cam Nori that highly, and that's fair enough. That's everyone's opinion. I think he is a limited player, no doubt. He's talked recently about making world number one. I, if I'm being honest, I can't ever see that happening, but that doesn't mean that it can't happen. He clearly has high aspirations. He's driven. He's motivated. He's improved a hell of a lot in the last few years. His forehand was, you know, very average, I'd have to say, in terms of a, a top, top player. And now his forehand is more of a weapon. He's able to find fantastic angles off it cross court, drag opponents out, high top spin. He's given himself more coverage over the net but also able to hit the ball harder and flatter at times if he needs to on the forehand side. It's just more hurtful. Uh, it's not just a rallying shot and one that he, to be honest, used to sometimes spray if he wanted to get on the front foot. We saw a little bit of that against Medvedev, and I think when people frustrate him and they're able to outlast him, which for him is a crazy, you know, I mean, he's someone who is extremely fit and, he doesn't expect to be outlasted on court. I think Medvedev is one of the only players, uh, you know, there's a handful of players, very small, small group of players that are able to stick with Nori. And I think when that happens, it can get frustrating. He then tries to be the aggressor and it's not his forte. And that's why he, in the end, ultimately fell to Medvedev. The backhand is flat. And of course, as I always mention, you get two different balls with him. It's interesting. Uh, it's one that I guess is kind of similar to Medvedev's. To Medvedev, it is. this flat backhand. They both got very weird, extreme grips on the backhand or, or techniques. And it works for them, though. It's flat. It's effective. Uh, you know, they, they get a lot of a lot of purchase off most, pretty much every surface, apart from, I guess, clay. Although Cam Nori likes the clay. And maybe that's because, unlike Medvedev, who hits flat off both wings, he actually has one wing, the forehand, which is a lot of topspin backhand flatter so it means that his games may be more transferable over surfaces if we're talking about the base of it for Medvedev though of course massive serve as well fantastic returner so that's transferable on all surfaces and he has adapted his forehand uh, in terms of having def different looks and different ways of hitting it he can hit a more kind of high topspin ball on the forehand side um, it's not his preference but of course he'll do it if he needs to you can tell so that's my number seven, Cam Nora. I think he's definitely an underrated player. Made the final of Los Carbos, of course. And he's he's made some fantastic results recently uh, with making the semifinals of Wimbledon, uh, taking a set off Novak Djokovic. So, you know, he needs to get his plaudits, I think, as well. He's a very good player, uh, no doubt. Then we need to look, and, and then becomes a bit harder to start talking about players because someone like Kazarev, you know, would be in there. Made, a semi, made the semifinals last year. And, you know, made the final as well against Dominic Team a few years ago. He is injured. Stefano Tsitsipas has just been, if I'm being honest, in some ad adverse and abject performances recently. Not particularly sold on Stefano Tsitsipas recently. I don't feel like he has particularly kicked on. Uh, of course, lost to Kyrgios in four sets in the third round of Wimbledon. And, you know... I, I, I'm not quite sure where he where he lies at the moment. Uh, you know, Indian Wells this year lost to Brooksby, um, lost to Alcaraz in Miami, the Mexican Open. He you know lost to Cam Nori. 
Lost to Seth Yulin in, in an Open 13 tournament. Lost to Felix in Rotterdam in the final in straights. Australian Open, of course, lost to Medvedev in the, se- in the semi-final. Sorry, since past Medvedev in the semi-final and, um, of the Australian Open this year. So do we put him up there? Because, you know, he dismantled Sinner, who I have on the list, in straight sets. And am, am I writing him off too early? He has had good results at Grand Slams. That's one thing you have to say about him. He hasn't won one yet, but he has gone deep. In every Grand Slam, apart from, if I'm not mistaken, Wimbledon, he's made a quarterfinal, at least, right? He made the final of the French, made semi-final of the US last year. Uh, semi-final, sorry, this year, of the Australia this year. Last year, made the final of the French. He's got the results. Let's put him in there. I, I'm not sold, and I'm not sure if he's going to stay in there. We'll see what his results look like, but he's my number eight. Number nine. I think with Sitspas, though, the slower surface at the US should should suit his game more. But I just feel like he's becoming more and more like a clay court specialist. And I don't want that to be the case because he's got a good enough game to be good on all surfaces. He worked really hard in the grass court swing to try and improve his grass court game. And he did. He just lost to a player that ended up making the final in Kyrgios, who's a very good player at the moment, one of the most informed players of the year. That can happen. Lost in four sets. It was very. He was very competitive for sure. This should be a surface he's even more comfortable on. Let's see what he can do. I'm hoping. I'm hoping he comes trumps. Then we've got to think about other players who maybe aren't particularly on everyone's radar. And Hubert Hakatch is one of them, right? He is. Uh, of course, did play Washington and uh, lost to Rusevoy though in the first round, which is a hard first round, no doubt. Should be winning that though. That would have been disappointing. Of course, and Wimbledon lost in the first round to Davidich Fakina. He's going to have to start winning soon, otherwise his ranking is going to drop pretty dramatically. Uh, so, if we go back to Miami, though, of course he'd won there previously. He lost in the semis to Alcaraz. There's no harm in that. You know, we've got to think about this. Rublev. I mean, Rublev has to be number one, number nine. Rublev, of course, you know, made the quarterfinals last year, if I'm not mistaken, of uh, the US and lost. You know, he made the semifinals just now of lost, of uh, Washington even, lost in Ishioka. He is someone who should be dangerous. He's got more time on the ball. It's a hard call. He should be able to drive through it, wind up the forehand and backhand. He's starting to add some bits to his game from what I've seen this year. When I have watched some of his matches and done commentary for them, Let's see how he looks. I'm hoping he just plays his best tennis. And if he's not good enough, it's not good enough. But for me, Andre Rublev is a player that should be winning a Grand Slam in his career. If he doesn't finish his career and doesn't hasn't won a Grand Slam, I think it's a wasted opportunity. Or a, not a wasted career. I think that's a bit harsh, but a career which has underachieved. The number 10 to round off the list. It's difficult. It really is because you, know, you might look towards a Hakatch, but he's not been in good form. You might look towards a, you know, a Shapovalov. He's been in terrible form. Do you know what I mean? Like all these players, none of these players are looking particularly good right now, uh, and and it's tough. It's very very tough because I want to believe that these players are going to do well, but no one actually seems to be stepping up, and that's why it's such a big gap. Of course, there's some omissions, and that's a massive shame. But these guys need to be stepping up. Uh, Taylor Fritz is going to be playing Andy Murray uh, in the Rogers Cup in the first one. That's tough for, for him. He made the round of 16 against uh, 
Dan Evans, and then of course ha- a lot of people thought he might have quit, but wasn't handling I think the heat very well, and ended up you know retiring at four one in the third set. Uh, it was one set all at that point. You know, in Wimbledon had chances against Nadal. You know, in the quarterfinal, didn't take them. He will be disappointed by that, and you know he of course had a very good hard court swing. He did. He had a very good hard court swing. Made the quarterfinals of Houston, Miami Open, made the round of sixteen. Indian Wells, of course, won. Beat Fritz. Beat Rub. Sorry, beat Nadal in the final. Beat Rublev. Beat Kepmanovic. Demaner. Manar. Matrak. So you know he's a good player, a very good player. Someone who I think is starting to peak this year. Uh, he lost to Stefanos Tsitsipas in five sets in the fourth round of Australia. Tsitsipas made the semi-final. Fritz was two sets to one up. Choked a little bit, you would you have to say. So I'm going to go with Taylor Fritz. Massive server, of course, as we know. He's going to be playing at home. Hopefully, he will take that on board. Hopefully, he'll think, yes. You know what? I'm feeling good. He lost to Jensen Brooksby in the second round, a fellow American, last year in four sets. He was a set-up there. He beat Dimoneau in the first round, which is a great win. Dimoneau's in some good form as well. He's probably unlucky not to make this list, I have to say. Uh, but Taylor Fritz, you know, massive, massive serve. Backhand is good. Forehand, good. You know, he's pretty he's pretty much good in everything apart from coming to the net. Needs to improve his transitioning and also just being brave enough and having the intent to come to the net to finish off points at times. Doesn't look, it's not a question of everyone needs to be doing that, but he is good enough to be doing that, Taylor Fritz. And that doesn't necessarily mean on every point. It just means having at least that option to go to at times that you're not being one-dimensional. And he is a power baseliner, someone who just is going to sit there and you know what you're going to get with him. Needs to improve that aspect of his game and become a bit more dynamic. And if he does, he will be a lot more dangerous for sure. So that's my power rankings so far for the US Open, my first edition. Let me know your thoughts. Remember to hit the like button, subscribe if you're new. And of course, if you're listening on a podcast, platform do remember to leave a rating review and we'll see you guys very soon thank you so much really appreciate it and we'll see you next